Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Engineering Student Experience Podcast. I'm Paul Nissenson from the Mechanical Engineering Department at Cal Poly Pomona. At the end of every academic term, students receive a letter grade in each of their courses. That grade is supposed to reflect how well the students learn the material in a particular course as determined by the instructor based on exams, homework, and other assessments. A letter grade of A or B usually means the instructor felt the student learned the material pretty well. A letter grade of D or F usually means the instructor felt the student did not learn the material very well. And a letter grade of C lies somewhere in the middle. A C often signifies the students did just well enough to satisfy the requirements of the course. For students in a semester system, that overall letter grade is determined at the end of 15 weeks of instruction plus a final exam week. That's four months of effort encapsulated into a single letter. Receiving a poor letter grade can be devastating to one's morale and and it may carry with it some significant consequences. Not only does the low letter grade lower a student's GPA, but it may mean the student has to repeat the course. At Cal Poly Pomona and most other universities, if the course is required to graduate, receiving an F in a course means you definitely have to repeat that course again. Receiving a D minus or higher means you've passed the course, but if the course is a prerequisite for another course, you still may have to take it again. So, for example, in my mechanical engineering program at Cal Poly Pomona, both statics and dynamics are required courses for the major. One of the prerequisites for dynamics is receiving a C- or better in statics. So if a student received a D-, D, or D+, in statics, they're going to have to take statics again because they did not meet the prerequisite for dynamics. In many engineering programs, it's common for there to be some courses, like statics, which are considered to be gateways or bottlenecks to the higher level engineering courses. In these gateway courses, it's not uncommon for 30% or more of the students to receive a DRF and be required to repeat the course. There are many reasons why students end up having to repeat a course. They may greatly underestimate the amount of time required to do well in all their courses in a given academic term and simply take too many units. It's very common for students, especially in their first year or two of college, to underestimate the time commitment required for engineering courses. Some students will end up having unexpected health issues or obligations from work and family that end up taking a lot of time. Students may have a lack of motivation in a particular course due to the subject matter or a particular instructor. And, well, some students may not have sufficient math and science abilities to succeed in the major. It is very, very common for engineering students to repeat at least one course during their time as an undergraduate student, but of course it's never a pleasant experience. Many students were used to receiving A's and B's in high school, and it can be quite a shock the first time they have to repeat a course. Students may go through a range of emotions, including loss of self-confidence, frustration at their own performance in the course, and frustration at the instructor for the instructor's teaching style or how they graded. In this episode, I will be exploring what it's like to repeat a course by interviewing two engineering students from Cal Poly Pomona. My first guest is Jared Changizian, who's a mechanical engineering undergrad student who's already actually been on the podcast a couple times back in episodes 14 and 19. 
Jared currently has about a year to go before his anticipated graduation date. My second guest is Michael Youssef, who's wrapping up his master's degree in electrical engineering. He received his undergraduate degrees in electrical engineering and computer engineering from Cal Poly Pomona. One thing that Jared and Michael have in common is they both have been required to repeat a few courses during their time as undergraduate students. During the interview, Jared and Michael described the emotions and thoughts they experienced when they found out they had to repeat those courses, and they also discussed how they eventually overcame these difficulties and became stronger as a result. I really appreciate Jared and Michael being willing to talk about this unpleasant subject, and I hope high school students and new engineering students listening to this episode are able to learn from Jared and Michael's experiences so that they can help avoid having to repeat courses themselves. But If you have to repeat a course one day, which again is really common in engineering programs, you'll realize that it isn't the end of the world and you can recover from this. And now let's hear from Jared Changizian and Michael Youssef. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Well, I'm here with Jared Changizian and Michael Youssef. Both are engineering students at Cal Poly Pomona. Uh, Jared, you might know, uh, he's been with us a couple times in a couple different episodes over the years, a mechanical engineering undergrad student, and uh, Michael Youssef is a graduate student just about to get his master's degree in electrical yep. engineering. Uh, well, first of all, thanks thanks to both of you for coming on. Thank you for having us. I'm happy to be here. Well, the topic uh, that we're going to be discussing today isn't a pleasant one. But it's a very important one and a very common, very, very common experience for engineering students. And what we're going to be talking about today is what it's like to have to repeat a course. Um, so yeah, thank you. This is something a lot of people don't like to talk about. So I really appreciate you both willing to, to come on and, and share your experiences, because I think for a lot of students, um, you know, when they first come to college, maybe they're not thinking that this is a possibility and, and they're going to have to deal with it. So. Thank you both for uh, for for being willing to share your your experiences. Honestly, with the experience, it's something every college student is going to have to go through, and or like at least most students will end up going through something either not necessarily failing a course, but maybe doing worse than a course they expect. And it's something that you will struggle with at first, but it's something that will surprisingly help you out later on. Yeah, and that that's actually something that happened to me when I was in my first. I was in the quarter system uh, at UC Irvine many, many years ago. Uh, yeah, I got in my my first humanities class, an English class. I didn't have to repeat the class, but I got a grade that was much lower than I was really ever expecting to get and took me a while to kind of mentally recover from that. So um, so I think it would be really a good place to start out would be to um, start back at high school. So before you even came into to college. What was high school like for you academically? Did did you typically get, you know, like A's and B's or uh, did you ever have to repeat a class in high school? Uh, In high school, I personally never had to repeat a class. I mostly back in the high school I was at, I mostly ended up kind of coasting for like the first few years. Like I was a solid B student for a while. Then I ended up practicing for the SATs. And the way me and my family ended up going about like trying to get around to it was mostly I studied more for my SATs than I did my actual classes. <laughs> so go, going through that experience, I, after my SATs, and I did like relatively well, I think when we changed the new standard, it was like I got like a 1270 out of 1600. So 
pretty decent score for SATs, which kind of helped with my GPA when I was coming in here. So afterwards, I did fairly well. I was like a solid B to like A minus student, somewhere around that range. So high school wasn't too hard for me. But coming in to college, I'll, I'll talk about this later, but it was definitely a much harder experience than I was expecting. And uh, I think Jared probably spoke about his high school experiences. Uh, oh, gosh, I don't even remember which episode number it was. Yeah, my, my high school experience. Um, I mean, I, I took honors classes, AP classes. I think I took a total of seven AP courses, and there was only one of them that I didn't pass my AP exam for. Um, and I, like it was pretty much A's and B's. I coasted through it, didn't really have to study. Um, that was that was a big thing that I had to pick up uh, once I got to college was, oh, you actually have to put time into the classes now. Um, because I wasn't, I wasn't used to it. Things just kind of came came to me naturally. Whereas now it's just, we have stuff that I've never seen before and it's kind of difficult to, to pick up as on we go or as they go. <laughs> so that's one thing that's different. Also, I kind of want to add to that. What Jared was saying mostly about going through like the whole AP program and like going for like all that hard work to get into college. Personally, in my experience, I never had to really do AP, like AP or like honors courses. I did honors in like middle school, but like starting from high school, I went like honors English, dropped out of that in like a month. And then I realized afterwards that it wasn't really worth like the overall, at least personally, it didn't feel like it was worth the overall effort because the way my schedule was handled and the pacing I had, like it, it didn't really help me out over from what I saw, it wouldn't help me out as much. So. I think the opposite, actually, the, those courses, um, there were there were a total from the AP classes that I, I passed the exams. I think the only one that I that didn't qualify at Cal Poly to give me credit for was uh physics c which was calculus based um i think they said i needed a four or five on that test in order for uh full for me to get credit in our newtonian mechanics class and the lab for this for cal poly okay so i i actually came in came in as a freshman with like 30 units already out of the way so i, I think it was tremendous in that, yeah oh yeah no it's genuinely helpful if you want to at least get rid of like your first early electives or stuff if you're trying to like speed through speed through the classes that's definitely a great great way to do it but at the same time, I feel like like AP classes in a general way, like especially if you do well through the AP program, once you get to college, it's like a completely different way of like having to study and deal with things. So I feel like if you're doing like I feel like sometimes the AP program might be a little bit, I'd say, harmful if you didn't have the proper like study techniques, if that makes any sense. So, see, actually, that's a, that was a question I was just thinking about while while you both were speaking is I'm, I'm wondering Jared now that you have um, you know a few years of experience in in college do you think that you would have um, benefited by having to take you know your physics classes or or, or math classes or whatever in um, at college instead of in high school um no I don't I don't think necessarily because um, I think the classes that I mostly got out of were GEs like uh, English classes and and go classes um, and then I think I think the only math class that I really didn't have to take was calculus one. I still came in taking calculus two and then um, uh, our linear algebra class and calculus three. Those are the ones that I had to uh, take over COVID, which that's a whole nother deal. But yeah, I'm sure we'll get into COVID and how <laughs> yeah. that impacts yeah, we'll everything. Get, we'll definitely yeah. get to that later. Yeah. So when you both started college, um, you know, you're going through orientation, you know, maybe you're about to start the first day of school. Did it ever occur to you at that time that you might have to repeat a course? Absolutely not. <laughs> coming Definitely through, not. Like, yeah, coming out of high school, I, I like C's were a thing that were non-existent to me. Like, I think I had one C on my report card all four years in high school, and that was just like that was insulting to me at the time. So when I when I 
came into college and of course you hear the jokes he's getting degrees which is very very true at this point um I, I've heard that from countless of my friends that I've made in college but uh it, it's true it's it's very true your, your grade your, the classes are way more impacted and they take a lot more of your time than any high school level course uh so I I believe it, it that was something that was a factor there yeah, but you, Michael, what was your mindset when you when you were going through orientation and you were going through your first week or two of college? Like first week or two of college, I felt like I was kind of coasting a bit, like work, the work necessarily because early time during college, you're not really doing as much. You're mostly just doing basic syllabus or just doing basic introductions. So I felt like, oh, this wouldn't be too bad. Like the most I was having issue with was probably like dealing with like chemistry lab because they made you go like straight into it my first semester. So it generally wasn't too hard for me. And like orientation, I feel like, oh, this wouldn't be like, it generally wouldn't be too bad. Boy, was I wrong. <laughs> so did you hear, uh, you must have heard then like in your first few weeks or something when talking with other engineering students that many have to repeat courses uh, or that's a, it's a common experience. Is that what, is that what your friends were, were telling you? Uh, funny thing about that, actually, back when I started first started here at Cal Poly, I came in as an undeclared student. So I initially had to go for like all my GEs and all that stuff. And I had to go take in I had to go like try as fast as possible to meet the requirements because I have to do like math one. You have to get like math, like your first calculus course in. I had to do that class that class really quick in uh, like Mount Sac during the summer no, community and community college. Yeah, I had to do like quick course in community college with a solid five weeks, like three hour course. And like, I barely passed that with a C. So I just kind of like took it as is like, I felt like my goal at that time was literally just, okay, just swap majors. Don't be like an undeclared major, just immediately get into like the engineering program. And that was about it. As soon as I got to that point, and I felt like, oh, the first few classes wouldn't be a big deal. Then the first exams came. So let's go back to, or fast forward rather, to the first time that uh, you found out that you'd have to repeat a course. Was this something that was a surprise to you, or you know, were you were you, hope, you know, holding on hope all the way to the end, or did you know, you know, midway through the course that oh, this is going to be a problem? <laughs> well, yeah. So t tell me what that was like. So for myself, I know that the the first class that I had to repeat was. Um, I believe it's 2140 at Cal Poly, which is uh, vector statics for mechanical engineers. And I think a lot of it had to do with COVID because at the time, I think I was in my sophomore year, I want to say. And um, I think I, I dropped this class halfway through because I, could, I realized that with the transition to online learning, um, that my workload at the time was a little bit too much for me. I think I was balancing school and work. And at the I think our school expects us to take like 16 to 17 units in order to graduate four years. And at the time I was still trying to do that. I dropped it the first time. And then when I, when I took it the semester after, um, which was fully online, that was, that was an issue for me. Cause I, um, I actually like halfway through the semester, I wasn't doing, I did, I think I bombed a midterm or something like that. And it, I just could not understand where I was going wrong in the math. And that was something that like halfway through the course I had to tell myself, okay, there's, there's a good chance. You're not, you're not going to pass this one. And, um, it was, it was very hard for me to kind of like swallow that pill that, oh, I might be getting a D or an F on my report card and I'm going to have to deal with that. Um, luckily our school offers grade forgiveness. If you end up do, uh, having to repeat the class and pass it with a higher grade, which is insanely amazing for, for students that do have to repeat, which is the, um, you know, it's a big, big population in our school and, and just in general. How about you, Michael? Take us back to the first time that you had to repeat a course. 
Yeah, I ended up, I alluded to this earlier when we were talking about, like, becoming in as, like, I just changed my major as an electrical engineering student. And I'm not proud of me saying this, but I bombed the first course you take as an electrical engineer. <laughs> so ha- basically the course is, yeah, like, the first course I took was 1101. It was with a professor who was just literally about to leave. He was, like, in his first, like, his last few semesters here. He was... I think kind of like a veteran in like the electrical engineering department. He's been here. He was been there for likely like maybe 20, 30 plus years. So we, he ended up doing this thing, which honestly surprised me out of the blue because I've never seen an engineering professor do it in my, my entire time there. He basically did a test, which was basically all multiple choice. Like all his exams were multiple choice. And it was like, okay, that's weird. I thought I'd be doing fine or at least I get like decent partial credit. Surprisingly, no. Like a lot of the class either doesn't do like super well in those exams. And apparently I just did like super bad compared to the people who did bad. So first midterm, I thought, oh, it was fine. He said the average wasn't good. So, oh, he's going to curve it. Even if I do bad, like, oh, you expect like maybe a C or something. So I go through the final and up until this point, I still didn't develop like really great study habits or like just decent study habits in general. And I sort of was one of those kids like you notice in every classroom, even high school, whatever you have. There are those kids who are always constantly in the back, not paying attention and just kind of like, oh, you're just there. Not, they're not really even doing anything, like not even like copying notes down. I was one of those guys and that bit me so hard and I never did it again. So basically on that, like the day of the final, it felt like, OK, I'm actually going to study this time. And it's like, oh, I understood the material. I was able to get it. I like a decent amount of sheet stuff on the sheet we're allowed to use for the exam because the professor allowed for like cheat sheets. And I felt like, oh, I understood the material or at least like showed enough words. So like when I got my answers, like, oh, they made sense to me or like they showed up similarly on the page. I come back later. Like I was also with a friend at the time and like we both like, oh, we thought we did okay-ish. So we mostly were just literally having fun the day afterwards. It was our last day for finals. I wake up one morning during like the during like the break and we both find out we bombed that test so bad and we both failed despite the fact that 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 there also was a curve as well. So he actually ended up going for like a little interesting thing where he was able to retake it. I wasn't able at the time. So he was able to pass with a decent grade. I ended up redoing it in the summer. And that worked out actually really well for me. Because as Jared was saying about like the whole grade forgiveness thing, after I actually like got kind of like the whole reality check and like, like basically reality just kind of hit me in the face. I immediately went, retook that course, aced it like relatively easily. Like that gave me like a really good understanding of the material that helped me later on, if that makes any sense. Do you feel like you were glad that you had to take the class again? So, so you'd, uh, it sounds like you got, you, you were able to pick up better study skills because you were kind of jolted into, yeah. into reality <laughs> of what being oh, a yeah. college student <laughs> is like. <laughs> and also this time I ended up having a professor that was like, who genuinely went through the course at like a much faster pace. And at the same time, also just kind of dumbed down the subject even more so it's like oh now i get it instead of just the, like a professor who was kind of like oh he was like buying the times and like how you're supposed to teach a course or like not doing it super well so just having like that one good professor who's like you can like communicate with that helps out a lot you don't always get that in college but if you are able to do that that helps out that can help out really well yeah so it, it sounds like um the uh that maybe at the time you were kind of putting the blame for what happened a little bit on yourself for the study skills, maybe a little bit on the instructor for the teaching style. Is that, is that fair? You think? 
I think that's generally fair. Mostly from what I've experienced, like if you ever know about like maybe like the five stages of grief, first it's like you immediately start off as like, wait, how the hell did that happen? I actually paid attention this time. Then afterwards, you just kind of you then blame it on the professor because like how did that test go where you kind of messed up that bad? And then it all just keeps going forward until you realize, yeah, you kind of messed up and you should have studied, but there was a way out of it. And the great forgiveness program that Cal at least like our school has helped out significantly in like saving my like slipshod GPA at the time. I think one of the most uh, defeating factors in that is when you actually like I've, I've this has happened to me quite a few times in college um, is where you realize that your study habits the problem. So you put in 10 to 15 hours of studying in a week, knowing that your midterm and your finals coming up and you still don't do as well as you thought you should have been doing on the test. That is the most defeating thing ever because you put so much time and effort into trying little and concepts. And when the test comes around, either you have test anxiety or um, you just forgot to study a certain part of it, or maybe your your understanding of the material wasn't as, as good as you thought it was when you left off studying and went to bed the night before. And that that is one of the most things that kind of uh, kind of gets at me still. Yeah, that's so carried on even like during my master's. I recently just finished up a midterm last week and it's like it was an open book exam too. So that hurt even more. So I went through the entire exam. It's like, oh, I understand like most of this material where I got most of it or it's like I have it on like the sheet I brought with me. And I come back later. I find out that I got like a 70 on it. And it was like, wait, where did that happen? But fortunately, she gave us the answers back for it. And I realized, oh, I missed a lot on this one small part, like one part of the test. Or I put like a stupid answer on some. So it's like, oh, if I did like, I actually did it right. I would have gotten like an easy 90. I dropped by like 20 points because of that. And it's like, I'm still thinking about that to this day. Like that happened like last Thursday and I'm still thinking about it. And it's, and it's still bothering me. I think that, ha that happens more often than not. Yeah, <laughs> you... It, hap it happens a lot more than you expect, especially when a professor is just the way they teach their course is, oh, they expected you to be hard. Like I generally have one professor who was like, oh, you're all like in my master's program. We had one professor who was like, oh, you're all master's students. You should be studying all this on your own or you should be able to like study for like 20 hours, like a week, just like trying to pay attention to a material. He, he himself barely taught well in the first place. Like I have, I'm not going to name the professor later, but if we ever get to that later in this conversation, I will be ranting about that for a while. And that that is a thing too. There are a lot of a lot of professors who just will teach the material that they're they're given, and they will go home and do their own thing and not care. Yeah, that's that's a genuine thing you have to deal with in college. And I feel like if you like not to wish this on anybody, but if you end up experiencing that earlier, I feel like that helps you out in the long run, especially because. It's it stops being a bit of, of a hit to your self-worth and it helps you kind of like keep working onwards. So instead of just kind of like festering for like months, like, oh, I could do so much better. Why is this professor kind of bad? It's like, all right, let's get better on the next one. Yeah. It sounds like you both bounced back pretty quickly, but at the time when you um, found out or you realized you had to repeat a course, did it impact your drive at all to to continue being an engineering student or did it? Did you feel um, like you you double down and you're going to try even harder? Um, I think both of those are true. I think at the time when it first happened, just the shock of it um, kind of made me doubt myself. I know, I know, I believe I, I spoke to you at the time um, and I was talking to you maybe about changing my major or the options for me to just slow down and take less units so I could really focus on the coursework that I was learning at the time. But yeah, that is definitely something I, I had 
I had uh, thought about was, do I change majors? Do I really want this? This is something like, oh, wow, this is going to be a lot more work than I, I had first anticipated. Like, it, it is it is definitely something that, that makes you think, oh, is this is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Luckily, I, I pushed through. I was like, well, it's going to happen. Might as well just deal with it as it comes and just push through. And, you know, I, I, I'm proud to say that because I, I have had to repeat a few classes, but I'm proud to say that every single one that I have repeated, I have passed to this day in the second go around. So I'm I'm happy that I pushed through. It may be difficult on the first learner, uh, the first go around. But, um, you know, on the second one, I, I feel like I can put myself out there to uh, just embrace myself and make myself stronger and kind of just push myself farther to learn the material that I may have not understood the first go around. I do want to add on to that a little bit because there is one course I've had in like my entire time at Cal Poly that has never felt made me feel as dumb as I currently as I currently am than uh, than like the physics course here at Cal Poly because you said Jared that this, as soon as you retook the course you did like really well on it correct or like you did like re- like better no, than you did no, last it's, time or like, so like, it's it's not like I, I did really well of course these these classes are not going to be you take them once see the material and oh all of a sudden you're a genius at it these are things that professors. Like the, I know the professors at our campus that teach these course, courses have been teaching them for years now. So they've got years and years and years upon practice with the material that they're teaching us. Um, and it's not just it's not something that we're just going to see once and be like, oh, yeah, now I can breeze through the class. So it was it's not always been a breeze by it's I will have to repeat the class. And um, when it comes back around, I've obviously seen the material beforehand. So that helps kind of knowing the general direction that we're going with it. It, it helps me kind of take shortcuts that I may have not realized uh, in the first semester that I took it. it. It all it all plays a part in helping helping to pass the second time, but no, nothing is easy. No, none of the classes that we that I've taken so far are just completely breeze bys. Like if they have engineering as the course topic or as the um, the topic or not topic, the name of the course, then you can pretty much tell yourself like this is going to be something that I'm going to struggle with, whether or not I've seen the material before or not. It is going to be a hard class that requires my effort. Yeah, I can generally uh, emphasize that experience. Like, I've still failed courses afterwards, but the course I was trying to mention earlier was that be like the intro to physics class. Like, there's like for us that's called fifteen ten, but it's mostly like introduction to like kinematics and stuff. I think it's Newtonian class, mechanics. That's the broad yeah, term for it. Yeah, that was my bottleneck for almost like my entire like college like life here because I think fifteen ten was also a course you kind of had to like go through to get through like. The, like your other classes for uh for engineering and so 1510 was a course that definitely didn't go well for me at first i think i got like a d the first time i did it, where if in order to get to 1520 you at least need a c or like the course well the course afterwards you need like a c to pass so i ended up retaking the course again with what was considered like the best professor for that course barely passed that one with a c minus like just like on the border there and he was also a professor that curved as well so that was like like that was a big hit for me right there. Like physics has generally not been a good subject for me in general. So I think when physics I went is a building block for most of the engineering stuff. It's it's something that students need to uh like really have established before they move on. I feel like it's a pretty useful course, especially for mechanical and like aerospace or like any fields that deal more like physical aspects. But I feel like for electrical engineering, at least if you're not dealing with like robotics, it's not as like not as impacted since you're mostly not dealing with like electrical is more like 1520 i think yeah which has a lot more electricity and magnetism uh, yeah in that second semester of physics courses yeah yeah that one i ended up doing better on i took that one in the summer 
like right after I did like 1510. So I wasn't like bottlenecked at all. That was a common trend for me, like going for my undergrad. It's like I was able to afford it at the time. So if I ended up getting bottlenecked by a course, I ended up just doing it in the summer. So that helped me even with a double major, at least graduate in like 4.5 years, which is kind of fast for a double major and especially for like electrical engineering. That is very fast. Yeah, that is extremely fast. Normally it takes like five to six years. It's, yeah, especially double major that. that double major, you take six. Like if you're not doing summer classes, you're doing six. Like even if you're doing like your whole like 15 units or whatever. I think I'm set to graduate in about five, but that's just because I, I'm stubborn and I refuse to take summer classes. I need my time off. <laughs> I need my summers off too. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I cannot because I mean, it, it would help keeping the, the material in my brain year round, but I, I need a break at some point. It, it gets too much. Oh, no, I get it. This is like going to be like the first, like as soon as I graduate, this will be like the first summer where either unless I don't, unless I start working right away, this will be like the first summer I get like a genuine break of like, oh, I never have to deal with Cal Poly ever again. And like, it's going to feel weird. Yeah. Well, Jared said something earlier that that um, I, I don't know how many students are really aware of, uh, but it, it sounds like Jared's definitely aware of it is, you know, if, if I'm teaching a class, I might you know, if I'm teaching a heat transfer class, let's say I probably taught that class five, six times while I'm here. And, uh, you know, this, this is what I do. I just think of ways to teach it. And I'm just immersed in this stuff. And, and you all come into the class, not knowing much of anything of this subject. And, and, and it's, it's not, um, uh, realistic to expect you to become masters in one semester. Um, you know, it probably takes me, a dozen times to teach it where we all feel like I can anticipate every student question and I can look at a heat transfer textbook and answer, you know, the vast majority of questions relatively easily or something. And even then sometimes I get stumped. So yeah, you guys are all seeing it for the first time. And so uh, I guess when you, uh, when you see, when you have to repeat the class, you get to see that, you know, you get to see it for a second time. Right. So that, that can be, a great help and, and it takes you one step closer to to mastering uh the material i feel like also that also compounds with like some professors where they end up overestimating how their students like can pay attention to material or don't think about like oh how is the student going to be caught up with this because i i see it as a common thing in like the master's program here at cal poly where a lot of the professors kind of expect you to know super well what you're doing and they don't realize that most of us were basically like locked in our homes for two years and in all honesty probably forgot the material as soon as it happened no that, that's 100 percent true that material from covid went in and out immediately and and we're i'm paying for it now uh, as a result <laughs> the second the second everything became like online we never ended up using like anything to like enforce kind of like the whole like anti either anti-cheating or just open books so teachers ended up kind of like embracing that like you can't really stop them. So every test literally just became open book, open notes. And what was the point of studying afterwards if you just had like a decent amount of PDFs next to your side, which we're allowed to use for the test? I have I have a professor now that's like that. That They um, they give us take home exams or um, like they, they give us take home exams before I've had him. I've had it twice now. He'll give us take home exams in one class. And the one that I have him for right now, he gives us um, exams. But exams in person but it's open computer open textbook open note open everything so it's basically like sitting there doing a group project with the whole class and nobody's really learning anything because people who don't study just look for the answer and um it, i think it's more detrimental than it is actually helpful yeah i've been genuinely guilt 
guilty about that. I feel like in some instances, and this might be better for like an overall like job experience, it makes you much faster in like actually researching stuff, which I feel like is a genuinely more useful skill to have than like just kind of like innately absorbing knowledge, especially like in some engineering places where in all honesty, you're going to have access to the internet like almost all the time anyway. So like the faster you can search for it, the better it is. And if you search for it yourself, you're usually more interested in the, to- especially if you're more interested in the topic. I would, I'd say that might be a bit more useful overall, especially because what I saw from COVID, it kind of got me to realize that it's better to build off skills than it is to build off education in the current state. At least for like, if you're trying to get into like industry, I consider it. If you're getting into research, academic academia is definitely a lot more important. But that's like my general idea of it, because I remember I know that a lot of people going into like workforce, especially now, because I'm kind of because I'm worrying about it personally, because I'm supposed to be like starting in like starting to like find work in a few months. Like I'm kind of worried about like just finding work in general, because I don't have as many like super like hard on skills. Like I have some like I know how to do some CAD work. I know how to do like just general coding. Like I at least know some things to the point where like, oh, I'm not a complete idiot. I, th- I think a lot of that is just selling yourself too. That's what I've learned from interviews and and people that that take interviews around me is like you go to a job fair. A lot of people don't have those those big skills. They may not be a master at CAD or or computer programming or whatever it is that they're they're looking for. But it it's kind of how you sell yourself to the company or whoever you're you're interviewing with. So like me per- me personally, I, I I use SolidWorks as a big thing um, in interviews. Like it helped me get like the job that I have right now. But I may not be the best at it. There's there's a lot of stuff that I don't know, um, but I just you kind of have to oversell yourself and say, OK, this is what I do know and this is what I can do for you instead of instead of underselling yourself and be like, well, I don't think I'm that good at, at it. And that, that's definitely something that I've had to um, like tell myself, too, is you may not be the best at it, but you've got experience and that's where it counts. Yeah, it's better than just someone just going in with absolutely nothing and at least shows you a little bit. I mean, part of the reason why I did the masters in the first place was to give myself a little bit of that leg up. Like, oh, a lot of people are coming in now with a bachelor's because, like, a lot of people are now more, like, easier to, like, get into college. So more people are getting, like, their bachelor's degree. So, like, high school degrees don't really mean as much as they used to anymore. Showing willingness to learn is a big thing, too, in interviews. I mean, I know we're a little, we're getting a little off topic here, but um, in, in interviewing, it's, uh, like, showing that you're willing to learn. Like, you may not know something, but I'm willing to put the work in to actually like get better at this. If you need me to do that, that skill or whatever it is, that that's something uh, that people tend to like. Oh yeah. I think in general, it's usually better to have someone who's like, Oh, he knows like if you have someone who knows everything, but it's completely not a team player, it's worse. It's worse to have them than to have someone who doesn't know as much, but is willing to like work and get better. And as well as communicate with other members on the team. Well, getting us back on track. Uh, Sorry about that. <laughs> no, no, no. It's okay. It's no problem at all. <laughs> when you think back on, let's say, the second class that you had to repeat or the third class that you had to repeat, did you notice that that experience was different from for you compared to the first class that you had to repeat? I think in my case, it definitely hit a lot less harder. It was like... Like the first blow, like the first time you ever fail a course or something like that hits hard. Like there's no way to go about that. Like unless you were actively trying to fail and you aren't expecting it, that will hit you hard regardless of what happens. Especially if you were like a really good student right before entering college. That will just hit you hard regardless of like how well you prepare for it. Second time around, 
I wouldn't say it like feels oh, like oh you feel numb to it completely like it still hurts like oh you'll have to waste like another semester or unless you'll have to waste another semester dealing with something you already could do but it doesn't hit you as hard and like overall so like it you can at least keep get up faster if that makes sense I started actually using it I tried to use it for my advantage because uh, I I believe that there was a, a class right after the one that right after statics after I completed it I think it was strengths and materials actually both strengths and materials and vector dynamics um and those are two um like capstone or not capstone but uh core engineering courses for mechanical engineering that are kind of like building blocks for the next um classes that we take in our, our third and fourth years but I think because I, I had to repeat both of them after it I think after that I I used what I had learned in the previous semester and obviously having repeated a course before I took what I had learned and I I was like taking my old notebook and I was opening that a lot more than I needed to I was reviewing problems that I had taken uh in the semester before so there was exam problems that I had seen in, in my semester prior and I was using those as study study skills uh like repeatedly problem solving those or um you know even even reading the textbook because that's something that I hate to do there's a lot of there's a lot of students that I know who don't want to even open the textbook or um like you know yeah <laughs> everybody everybody does that we don't we don't want to open that we don't want to open the textbook even if we have a pdf we don't want to open it we want to have the professors put the slides up and just read off of that which is you know there's a lot of professors who do that but um you know opening the textbook and actually seeing for yourself that that's something that i've been trying to get myself to do more yeah that that's something that that if you really take to heart and and you you those those classes that you're talking about um Many engineering disciplines will, you know, aerospace, mechanical, civil, um, well, I'm not sure if they have to take dynamics or not. But anyways, they have to certainly take statics and strength of materials and things like that. Yeah, if, if you can master those or at least feel like you have a, you're very strong in them, then that will definitely help you when you start getting to your you know, third and fourth year level classes. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And that, that's what I've, I've started realizing. Well, I, I realized it beforehand in high school, but it, it's very true in in college because in high school you see like oh math there you have your math one class in freshman year your math two class and sophomore year whatever they may be called and they're directly related because whatever you learn in your first year is built upon in your second year and that's even more so true in college because these classes all kind of intertwine so um like stuff that i have learned in my statics class now apply in all four of the classes or five of the classes that i'm taking this semester in my my senior year like every single class after the fact takes process or takes um takes concepts that you may have learned three years ago and you're putting them in or even like basic calculus calculus one through three i still see math from all three calculus classes embedded into everything that i'm learning um and it may be a maybe a thermodynamics course or a, a fluid mechanics course but i'm still learning that same material in these classes um and that's it's all it's just all kind of intertwined and that's something i've started realizing uh you know after being in college for a while. So do you think that uh, having to repeat courses has made you more resilient in not just, you know, being a, a in your student life, but in other aspects of your life? I, I think in that point, I generally have to agree more because back when I, before I failed classes, I used to kind of like expect like, oh, I used to be like, have like a, like a kind of arrogant sense in a way. Like, I feel like, oh, I couldn't do anything really wrong. I was usually like, oh, like always writing stuff like that. And after you kind of fail a course, like usually it's like the reality check moment where you realize, oh, you're not as like super special. 
And it's like, you, like that arrogance kind of like goes away after a while because you normally just take like all these like mental beatings after a while and you realize, yeah, okay, I actually am kind of more either same-ish. Like I can at least be above in some places, but I can't be like insanely up there. Like you kind of like tone yourself down a bit and like, okay, you realize you got to study more. Oh, you have to work harder than you normally expect it to. I think it helps you set more uh, realistic expectations on yourself for what your workload is expected to be. Michael, uh, question for you, since you've already got your your undergrad degrees, did you think your experiences having to repeat courses as an undergrad helped you in graduate school? I think personally, in some cases, it did. Mostly, this is going to be a bit more of like a reason for me. And I think in some cases, it's a little bit unique. But back during COVID, I ended up starting like a whole like special group chat for like the class. Like that was like a common thing that was happening starting during COVID. Like every class was like, oh, opening up their own like group chat for like Discord or something like that. Yeah, there's a Discord for every class I'm in now. <laughs> <laughs> what I ended up doing during that is I saw like a lot of the classes I had, like everyone was like part of like some course or something. So I ended up making like an entire Discord, like general Discord for the entire like electrical engineering department. It got big enough to the point where it's. I kind of went away from it now because like a lot of the people already graduated, like the active people in there. So I kind of like left it for dead. But it went up to I think nine hundred people max, which was basically like I think half the size of the department at the time. It was kind of crazy, and I feel like that helped a lot of like my whole like communication skills in general. It's like I back then I didn't have like as many communication skills like. I mostly took group classes, like, oh, the few friends I had in the department, which honestly back then was kind of a godsend because admittedly he helped carry me for like a few of the classes or like helped me push, help push me in classes. Which like, I'd rather not be here, man. Yeah, it was hard to like find people to talk to in general. So like everyone went over there. So it was like, oh, what was happening in this class or like what was happening here? Because like everyone was like kind of just thrown into a place where like, how do I talk to anybody in my class? Because that's a, like, a decent skill you have to learn because if you don't know something and the teacher's either too busy or honestly doesn't care enough to like answer your question you're gonna have to ask like other people in the class like especially if you weren't there for a week or something like that for like an emergency you'll have to ask something somebody if something important happened and that's also a really useful skill to have because like communication like it doesn't matter how like good your skills are if you can't work with anybody or like work with an employer it doesn't matter it gently doesn't matter if you can't if you're like the best in your field, like if you were just like like Albert Einstein in your field, like doesn't matter. So one thing that I've noticed um, when students are struggling is um, often they don't come to my office hours. You know, I'm, I'm, I have four office hours a week and I'm available by appointment. But often I find that students um, don't attend office hours. Some do, some do, and some do get help. Um, but but many don't. Um, and so I'm wondering from your both of your point of views, uh, have you tried to attend office hours? Did you find it useful or, or how did you seek help from the instructor um, who's, you know, part of their job is to help you guys? Uh, I've, I've found that with uh, office hours, uh, I they kind of help depending on what the, who the professor is. So obviously, if you're struggling or you realize that you're going to fail a class, you need to speak to whoever your teacher is and let them know that you don't want to fail and ask them for what you can do, what what their recommendations are, 
or if there's something that you're really struggling with some topic you can bring it to their attention and ask them for help on your homework or if you bombed a quiz and you, or a midterm and you want to know what you were doing wrong and how you can do better on the next one talking to your professor is like vital but there are those professors that you will get in college and this happens a lot more than not that just don't really care or maybe you come to their office hours and I, like i had a one of the professors that i had uh for statics the first time i, I had to, to drop it I would go to his office hours and I would ask him questions on things that I didn't understand. And I would be in his office hours for, you know, there were three or four weeks straight before we went to online learning that I was just in his office hours every day after class. And, um, you know, I, I had work. I had sometimes I had like time conflictions where I couldn't make the office hours and I would still go anyway because I wanted to understand the material. And with this professor, and I've noticed it with some others, they don't really help that well. So some it, it's very, very dependent on who your teacher is. Because there were there's some teachers that'll just say like, oh, like I would ask a question and he would instead of helping me understand it, he would just tell me like, oh, you, you're lacking knowledge on the prior course. You need to go brush up on your math skills. I can't help you. And it's like, why? Are, you're you're an educator. Your job is to teach us. And if you see that there's a lapse there, you're not supposed to tell me that my past teachers did a bad job. You're supposed to catch me up. That's your job as an educator. So there, there's a lot of there's a lot of teachers that I've that I've noticed that do stuff like that, or I'll come to their office hours and um, they just, they they want to get out by the time that their office hours are done and they don't want to take the time. And, um, you know, I think that, I think that's something that, that professors at campus at all schools should have to, um, like, I know everybody has a life of their own that they want to get to, but, you know, some teachers need to, need to take that step up to actually do what they're supposed to in their office hours. As a student, like the first time you walk into a class or like the first few weeks of instruction, you'll usually walk into a class and then you realize, oh, this professor doesn't really care. Or like it's obvious from point blank that like the, any question you'll ask to the professor will just be, oh, go look at the textbook. Oh, stop being bad at this. Just like it's just going to be not worth the effort. And like there are some professors who are just generally well inviting. And I've had those professors once in the class. And I do have a little bit of a story about that as like part of my early classes in like like the electrical engineering department, I it's still in the phase where like, oh, I got a little better, but I still wasn't doing super well in the courses. Like I think I had like in two classes, I had one was a C and one was around like a D plus, like a D plus or something around that. And I was like first midterm, like it was around that time and I got my midterms and that solidified the score there. So it's like, oh yeah, I need to go to our office hours like now. And fortunately she was one of like the best professors like on campus for it. And it was like before COVID, so I could just go walk into her office hours. And this was like long before like an, an exam or any moment. It's like, that's a thing with a professor. If you're generally having trouble in a topic and it's like a few weeks before an exam, just go there early. Literally no one else will show up. And if anything, they'll be happy to see you there because they're so like, they're so alone during those times in the first place that they'll literally take anyone being there. Like, I feel like you can uh, agree with this, uh, Professor Neesonson. Just having like anyone show up during those office hours, like before like a midterm, like I feel like that's just a generally like decent moment or you can get like at least a little bit excited. Like this person wants to actually ask a question. I, I know for me personally, um, you know, I'm always happy to to help students uh, who who are seeking help. Right? That's that's my job. That's why I got into this profession. I will say that. Um, I, I greatly appreciate it when I can tell that the students have put in some time and effort before coming in to prepare for the for the office hours. Oh, yeah, no, that's genuinely obvious. Like if you come into a course, like if you ask for help, but you didn't even attempt the problem yourself, like if anything, that's even more insulting. Like just like, oh, like, yeah, like you're just asking to be handheld at that point. Just like beats the purpose.
and many students do come in, you know, and they've, they've genuinely spent, you know, like half an hour trying this problem and they just don't even know where to begin or they're missing like the framework on how to even approach this problem. And that's, and when I provide that, it, it can help. But yeah, every once in a while, I guess students coming in where it's like, I, I don't know if you really tried this problem or if you really, uh, you know, if, if you if you really did any kind of prep work before coming in, um, and I think it makes the best like it's it's the best use of everyone's time. I think when when people come in um, prepared, I you know I've noticed over the years that a lot of students uh, you know they don't come to office hours as much uh, as they used to when I first started twelve years ago, and a lot of my colleagues also say the same. I don't know if it's because we're much more accessible through email or. Maybe there's a lot more online resources, perhaps. And so people can take advantage of that and they don't need my help as much. I don't know. I feel like one of the main reason is like a lot of the shift has been like a lot of the tests have now become like open book, open notes. So at the same time, it's like, I mean, if you don't understand the topic as well, but you have like at least like your notes out and you at least did the problem. So, you know, a good way to search for them. It's like there's not really a need to go into like office hours, especially if it's like that's first time like talking to a professor is always like kind of awkward in a sense. Like it's like, Hey, like you've been, I've been in your class for months, but this is the first time I've talked to you one-on-one. -on -one. That's like a weird feeling to get across. And like, I still have issues with like going time to time, especially when I don't really talk much in class, but it's something you kind of have to get over the hurdle with. Cause like the first time you do it, it's going to be kind of an awkward experience, but if you do it more often, it's like, Oh, you'll get used to it. And the professor will be used to you being there. And especially if you're one of those students who are like actually trying to work and like genuinely asking for help on like just like trying to start problems or like just on a weird section here. They're told like I haven't I've never met a professor who's like totally like mad with it unless the professor themselves definitely doesn't want to be there. Like if it's a genuinely like nice professor, they will be completely happy to like answer answer a question you tried on at least. Well, uh, Jared and Michael, um, this has been a really fun conversation. Got one last question, though, before I, I let you go. So there right now might be a high school student who's thinking about joining an engineering program or a first year student who still hasn't completed their, you know, first semester yet. And, uh, you know, they might not really even realize that uh, this is a possibility that they might not pass classes. And after hearing this conversation, they might realize, oh, it is a possibility. And what I'd like to to have you both um, give your feedback on is, first of all, what's your best advice for not even getting into the situation where you have a high likelihood of not passing a course? Or if that happens, how do you recover? What's the best way to recover after not passing a course or having to repeat a course? Uh, I feel like personally the best way for me, if you're, if I'm starting in and I was talking to myself before, the best way I describe it is you shouldn't try to expect that you'll be perfect all the time. If anything, I feel like that sets you up more for failure because you're expecting everything to go well, but it definitely won't. Personally, I would suggest even if you do end up failing, I recommend trying to like learn unique skills that could help out with like actually getting jobs. Like education, like it's good to actually get like your degree because at least lets you know, oh, you're capable of learning or at the very least capable of researching or finishing a degree or like sticking with something. But to make yourself like more interesting to like employers or stuff like that, I'd recommend like starting maybe personal projects of yours, maybe learn to code something useful for yourself, maybe a little program that helps you like, like either stand out a little bit more or helps you conveniently. Like I like starting like personal pro I'm trying to do a personal project now where I'm working with like 3d printing as well as like general manufacturing. So 
that could be a useful skill for me to have. I know I'll learn how to like 3D model and that could be helpful for like when I'm designing either just schematics, cabinets, or anything like that. But it mostly just depends on the field you're interested in. Like if you're working in like civil engineering, you might want to learn how to do like CAD work. If you're working as an electrical engineer, you maybe you want to learn, oh, how does P PCB design work or circuit design in general? Just like even like general stuff, like learning how to use like turn on lights with an LED. Like I know some people in the lab, like the first lab, and this is always a thing that will happen like the first time you walk into an electrical engineering lab. Someone will burn like one of the like uh burn like one of the microcontrollers, like any part you're gonna get in one component in the lab, and it will smell like copper the entire time. And it's like every semester they'll just be like, Yep, there it is, there it is. It's just something you'll get used to, but just generally having skills that make you so make you look interesting or just finding like generally your passion you want to do before you start. I, I definitely would recommend that. I would like to say that I think for, for students coming into classes that, that may not anticipate like having to repeat college courses, um, I think a big thing is just having confidence and, you know, knowing that you'll get through it. So even if you do fail a course and that's something that you realize you're, you're going to have to do is repeat a class, be confident in yourself and um, be able to like know that you will get through it. It's just, you know, whatever the situation is at the time, you know, if you didn't study for a test or you had a family emergency that that you weren't able to do as well or, um, you know, any anything that it could be that that sets you back in your coursework, you need to just kind of like tell yourself that, OK, I'm going to keep trying and I'm not going to give up. And that that usually gets you through it or it helps. It helps to alleviate some of that stress because, I mean, you're, you're going to take losses your entire life. There's you're always going to have ups and downs and failures. And it's kind of just important and humbling for yourself to take that into account that you're going to fail. And when it happens, you just need to, you know, get better at picking yourself back up and recover from it and do better the next time. Yeah, absolutely. Life's full of having to pick yourself up. Michael and Jared, uh, thank you so much for your very candid comments about a, a difficult subject to probably talk about. I really appreciate it. And I'm sure that uh, any students listening will greatly benefit from it. So thank you both. Of course. Yeah, it was fun. Thank you for having me on. It was fun to be here. Thanks again to Jared Changizian and Michael Youssef for sharing their experiences about what it's like to have to repeat a course. I hope anyone listening will realize that if it happens to you, it's just a setback, a setback that you can recover from. Before I go, I'd like to mention that if you're enjoying this podcast, there are a few ways to support it. You can subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcast app, such as Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Spotify, and many others. You can rate the podcast and leave comments on whatever app you use to listen to the podcast. And finally, you can help spread the word about the podcast by telling your friends and family or anyone else you think might be interested in this podcast. If you have any comments about the episode, feel free to email me at tesepodcast at gmail.com and I'll place the email address in the show notes. I'll personally read each email and try my best to respond to them all. Take care, everyone, and goodbye for now.